This is Unfilter, episode 217 for December 14th, 2016. President-elect Donald Trump is having an extraordinary public argument with the CIA over Russia's role in the U.S. election. He dismisses the intelligence community's conclusion that Russian hacking was part of an effort to defeat Hillary Clinton. In fact, Mr. Trump calls the finding ridiculous and suggests Democrats are behind it. Yes, it's cold outside and it's frightful, but you know, that fire is so delightful. So what you should do is put on some headphones or put on the speakers and listen to Unfiltered, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly show about the news you shouldn't be watching. Did did the Russians hack your intro script, dude? What are you talking about, man? What are you talking about? Hello, buddy. Hello. Hey, man. So, uh, yeah, it is cold outside. 11 days... Before Christmas. This is our second mm-hmm. to the last show before Christmas. I know, but yet I'm counting down till Inauguration Day for some reason. That's the day that I'm thinking more about. You, you know what I'm counting down the to? The Electoral College vote? Monday the 19th, buddy. That's yeah. right. Yeah. 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 Now, I don't know how many Electoral College stories you have because, you know, I mean, there's so many electors who want to look at that security briefing. <laughs> even though yeah. even though they're all Democratic electors, yeah. but that doesn't matter. All right, so we're going to get into all of this. Yes, we, uh, we're going to get into the fake news stuff. Fake news, fake news, fake news. Fake Russia's news. hacking, uh, all of it. But we have to start at the very beginning. Uh, we have to start with cyber because cyber is going to lead into Russian hacking, which is going to lead into fake news, which is going to lead into everything you were just implying there. So yes. we have a, a very cohesive show. So we have some first confirmed hacking of the uh, Georgia election system. Remember remember during... Uh, I thought they're not hackable, Chris. I thought that the machines were independent on the internet. Uh, they're not even on the no, internet. Not the, not the voting machines, but oh, like the... like the, the voter rolls. The, the, yeah, the systems that keep track of the voter uh, registration. Right. The one. Remember, remember we were concerned that Russians might be hacking Running them. Running well, WordPress. We, we now know who was doing some of the hacking, at least. Putin himself? is concerned that the federal government has been tapping into their voter registration database. The third-party security firm, which was hired by the state, detected an attempted intrusion by the Department of Homeland Security. You remember when we had Jeff on here and he was telling yeah. the states to, come on, use our cyber yeah, services. Yeah, yeah, use us instead of the yeah. other guy. We Georgia need your money. decided to hire their own independent contractor. And okay. that own independent contractor detected DHS attempting to penetrate their system. Wait, what? The Department of Homeland Security. Lindsey France has more on the alleged breach. The alleged attempt to breach the firewall of Georgia's election security computer system on November 14th originated from a Homeland Security IP address, according to a letter issued by Georgia Secretary of State Brian Kemp. Now, we use IP addresses as uh, the, the like part of the blame for Russia hacking the DNC. So it, it, that would seem to be enough these days. Right. I just I'm sure what the DH was doing, DHS was doing was probably like a vulnerability assessment. That, uh, you know, that's what I was thinking, too. I was thinking, well, maybe if they get in and they are able to penetrate the wall, then they would say, hey, Georgia, by the way, we were able to penetrate your wall. Yeah, yeah. But uh, they didn't, doesn't sound like they asked for permission, doesn't sound like they gave them a heads up. And I think the other thing that's funny about that is if that if that came from a Russian IP, that would be huge, huge news. So let's talk about these Russian hacks. There's been a lot that's been come out from this since even before the election wrapped up back in August and June and July. We've covered it here on the show. We've been wondering, where is this Russian narrative going before the election? Why are they talking about the Russians? Is this plan B? 
Well, now there seems to be bipartisan Republican senator and a, Repu- and a Democrat. Uh, it's your good friend John McCain on the Republican side. But yeah, and he also is concerned about Russian hacks. We got bipartisan concern. The election ended a long time ago. It is now time to move on. The CIA briefed Congress last week, but didn't reveal its conclusion then. A bipartisan group of lawmakers. I want to make sure that's clear that the CIA didn't actually. I want to listen to the words she says here. They're very important. The CIA briefed Congress last week, but didn't reveal its conclusion then. It didn't reveal the conclusion. They briefed, <laughs> but didn't reveal the conclusion. Okay. A bipartisan group of lawmakers is calling for an investigation of Russian hacking. Two of them are with it, with us. Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer of New York is here in studio. He will become Senate Minority Leader next month. And Republican Senator John McCain of Arizona, the chairman of the Senate Armed Services Committee, joins us from Phoenix. Good morning to you both. Morning. Good morning. Senator McCain, let me start with you. We know that American spy and law enforcement agencies are united. United, Chase. We are together as one. In the belief uh, that Russia tried to influence and meddle in the election. But do you believe the CIA analysis that it was with the direct intent to try and elect Donald Trump? I don't. Uh, I can't reach that conclusion yet, which is why we need a bipartisan effort to uncover the whole situation. And uh, there's no doubt about the hacking. Let's let's establish that. I was hacked into my campaign. And t- there's no doubt about the hacking effort to uncover let's play that the again. whole situation. And uh, there's no doubt about the hacking. No doubt. So there's no doubt. No there's doubt. no doubt about the hacking. There's no doubt about. No the hacking. Uh, it's ridiculous to assume that there was there's any doubt about the hacking. No doubt. No doubt. No Michael Morell is a former acting director and deputy director of the CIA. He supported Hillary Clinton for president. He joins us. He went wait, all wait. in for Hillary. And, then you're, and he used to be a worker for CBS News. But you don't mention that, Charlie. Yeah. And uh, he he has come on here and he has he's really he's really been sort of the talking points boy for the CIA during the entire election. In fact, Michael Morell uh, was really betting on Hillary to win. Now from Washington. Good morning. Good morning, Charlie. So help us understand this. What's the difference between the conclusions of the FBI and the CIA? So even before the election, Charlie, the entire U.S. intelligence community believed that the Russians were interfering in the election. So the entire intelligence community. Now, the the way they believe this worked is Guccifer and others have connections to the Russian government. They they hacked the email accounts of of DNC key staff members and gentlemen and Podesta, the gentleman that's attached to the Clinton campaign. And then they supplied this information to WikiLeaks and then WikiLeaks disseminated this information to disrupt Hillary Clinton's campaign. That is the that is the that is the end result of the quote unquote Russian hacking. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. So when you say Russian hacking, you're really talking about like the DNC email leaks, Podesta's emails. You're talking about that stuff that got published, right? You're, and you're also talking about phishing expeditions too. I mean, right. So what we yeah. so uh, what we do know is uh, I've read all of the reports that they're referring to. I have them linked in the show notes. I have relinked some of these again. We've re- we've linked to them in the past. This week's show notes has is really a bonanza for the source information about these Russian hacks. And I will tell you this. None of those reports conclusively point the finger at Russia. They imply it. They suggest it strongly. Their source evidence is IP addresses and the software that they use. So, so Chris, are you saying that there's no doubt? There's no doubt. No doubt. There's no doubt unless unless you unless you ask 
unless you ask the guy that runs all of the intelligence agencies, DNC Clapper, who says, well, there's really no strong link between Russia and WikiLeaks. Activities seem to uh, have uh, curtailed. As far as the... um, By the way, when he said, but but this seems to have curtailed, he was referring to... uh, Russian hacks. So I guess before even the election was over, there was a call to Russia. There was a conversation that was had, and they noticed that Russian activity curtailed. Activity seemed to uh, have uh, curtailed. But then this is the key as part. As far as the uh, WikiLeaks uh, connection, the evidence there is uh, not uh, as strong, and we don't have good insight into uh, the sequencing of the releases. Uh, or when the, uh, when the data may have been provided. We don't, we don't have uh, as good insight into that. That is the director of national intelligence saying there is not a strong leak, <laughs> link between Russia and WikiLeaks. <laughs> so when Morell's on there saying that there's no doubt, and when, when no McCain's doubt. on there saying there's no, no doubt, doubt, they are lying because the director of national intelligence, where the buck stops. So full disclosure, that video where Clapper spoke, when was that? Uh, this week. Okay, was that before CE, uh, our, our spoke souls on CEBS? or were they? Those were from this morning. Okay, so um, maybe something changed, Chris? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, There are some new developments. Notice how Fox, though, reports them a little differently. And we have a Fox's alert for you now. Uh, new developments this morning about those reports that Russia interfered in the U.S. election to help Donald Trump win. Congressman Devin Nunez says the alleged CAA assessment tells a different story, the testimony from the National Intelligence Director there on the right, James Clapper. And they were speaking about cyber attacks. At- so what's coming out is that the CIA is really the ones behind, uh, it was Russia, it was Russia, it was Russia, if this is all to be believed. I'm going to get to that. And, and, and so when I say there's 17 intelligence agencies, but it's really the CIA that's pushing this. If you listen carefully. Congressman Devin Nunez says the alleged CIA assessment tells a different story than testimony from the National Intelligence Director there on the right, James Clapper. And they were speaking about cyber attacks at an open hearing last month. Chief Intelligence Correspondent Catherine Harridge is live in Washington, D.C. to explain All what right. is going on in this. Hi, Catherine. Hold on. Well, Hold thank on. you, Erica. U.S. Hold government on. source says the Director of Hold National it. Intelligence, which oversees the U.S. intelligence community, is, is not on the same page as the CIA. And the issue comes down to understanding the hacker's intent as well as nuance. Fox News is told that the election hacks are being wrongly lumped together into one bucket when they were separate and discrete events to include the DNC and DCCC, which raises money for Democratic congressional races, the Clinton campaign emails released through WikiLeaks, and the probing of state boards of election to steal voter registration data. After the intelligence community issued the statement in yes! October on Russian involvement, the probing attack... There it is. There's the prop. Prop news I alert. left it in there for you, buddy. I left it in there for you. Yes! So I want to just, uh, before we go much further, I want to talk about a couple of things here. So the reports say that there was an extremely sophisticated attack, and so it must be state-sponsored must simply be. because of the sophistication of I it. I have no doubt. Then it goes on to say that they used common mistakes that the attackers made to figure out who they are. They claimed that they left a user login session open for longer. They tracked it back to an IP address that – not an IP address in Russia, but an IP address in Ukraine, forgetting that currently Russia and Ukraine are not on the same page on anything. So they track it back to an IP address in Ukraine that right. was also posting on a, a spyware forum. Okay. So that's their correlation. All right. And then they also think it's Russian because of language keys that they see in the software and because the software that he used is the same software that CrowdStrike and, and others have seen other Russian attackers use. So they use some of the same tools. 
But the, the problem with that is there is li- literally like a Silk Road slash eBay for malware where you can buy and sell malware frameworks and entire toolkits that are just commonplace. So a lot of people are using the same software and the same tools because some of them are just open source tools and the others are bought and sold on marketplaces. Some so of the claiming, stuff we're even using too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Claiming that claiming the toolkit was is a is a link, is a common link, is yeah. is bogus. Yeah. Using the IP address is fairly bogus. Oh yeah. Because whenever there's a legitimate sophisticated attacker, they are able to hide their IP address. We talk about this all the time in TechSnap and oh, a yeah. lot of the stories. It's easy to do. So the, 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 the conclusions are anything but concrete. And the new, prop, the new uh, wave of Russian – the reason why it's a big deal all over again is because the Washington Post ran a story. By the way, the Washington Post was also the first newspaper that kicked all this Russian hacking thing off to begin with. Oh. The Washington Post posted a story saying that they had anonymous insider information from the government – Telling them that they're almost certain it's Russia. There's no official report. There's no de- declaration. There's no crowd strike or, cy- or cyber security analyst report that conclusively says it's Russia. No official has conclusively said it is Russia. Clapper says there's no strong links. That he says it's multiple events that we're, co- we're combining into one. So, Chris, bring, the, bring us the big picture here. Why, why is this formula continuing to be propagated here? Why, why is it that we have all these places saying, hey, it's Russia, it's Russia, it's Russia. Then Clapper says, eh, not really. Why is this being propagated? And we're going to get there. Russian propaganda actors to just sow confusion, to, to make people doubt that anything could be true? Sure, yeah. I mean, that is the main goal. Do you recognize her? She seems familiar. Yeah, she should. So this I want to get to there, but we to get there, we have to take a little journey to answer your question. All right. We have to talk about how complicit the media is in this entire thing. So this guy here on the far left is the CNN anchor who's supposed to follow the media. Right. This is his whole big gig. So he knows who she is. That's the gal that left RT and then came out and sued it, said it was a Putin propaganda. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to get to So let's, let's so listen, okay. listen to right. what she has to say here. The yeah. main goal of Russian disinformation, whether it be through their television channels, whether it be through other measures like hacking, like uh, their uh, legions of paid trolls, that is the ultimate goal is to undermine democracy, oh. to undermine faith in our institutions like the like the media. And um, and we have a president. You see how she's looking down and reading talking well, points? Well, yeah, yeah, she's got her bullet points. She's been doing that the entire time, too. Like the, like the media. And, um, and we By the have way, pre- on a production value side of it. Yeah, turn down the other guy's mics for God's well, sakes, right? <laughs> that's a separate thing. But if she was pro... She would be putting her talking points right underneath the Right under the camera. I know. Exactly. Because then you can you can still kind of tell, but yeah, barely. But barely. But this, nah. I know, down on the table like that? And and the thing is, that that just goes to show you, it makes you feel like she really doesn't know what she's talking about. Maybe she, someone else is feeding the cuff, her points. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, she's not um, really studied on it. And we have a president-elect now who has basically matched some of these key talking points in Russian propaganda. She says as she reads talking points off the paper. These key talking points in Russian propaganda to under. <laughs> mine our system so, so i let, think let's go there let's go there directly i mean the, here, here's something that i've been asking myself julia we're talking about a candidate who's lost in a historic way in terms of the popular vote but so that's the other meme is that trump is lost in an historic way in terms of the popular vote which again is, you know i I'm, I'm tired of this popular vote thing because the everyone says well we need to listen to the will of people will of people well the way that the candidates went out 
and did their election and campaigning, they focused in on electoral vote states, right? Yep. But and, but then you look at states like New York and California, which are two of the largest Democratic strongholds in our country. Of course they're going to have, and they keep going back to California. Those are where the extra votes are coming from. So uh, I have a show. I have a link in the show notes that talks about uh, uh, how in the last few days of the Hillary Clinton campaign, they started funneling money into areas just to make sure they would win at least the popular vote. When See, they, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all in the show notes. Yeah. So uh, we never play clips from Alex Jones oh. generally unless it's a chance to mock him. However, this is extremely relevant to the clip we wow. just played. So that okay. was Liz Wall from RT. Right. Reading talking points. Got At the time when Liz came out, we felt like there was something behind it. In fact, you remember she kind of got bamboozled, like she kind of got dropped. She oh, was yeah. promised a gig. Yeah, totally. Well, Max Kaiser works at RT, and he gives us a little insight into what happened behind Liz wow. because Max okay. claims he was also approached by the same people to do the same thing. Remember, because wow. two anchors did it together. Yeah. And they tried to get Max to do it, too. So uh, this is uh, Max was on the Alex Jones show after having a really bad night. Like the place he'd say that just burned down to the ground. <laughs> oh, man. He was literally crashing at Alex Jones's studio. And so he's he's a little he's a little salty and he just kind of lays it out there anymore in America. As I mentioned to you a while ago, when I was doing my show in Paris, I was approached from somebody from Voice America. Now, Voice America, if you're not familiar with it, would be a real treat for you to check out. I got links in the show notes. It's R R T. If you, it's so great when 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 we when we say how bad R T is, we forget to mention that we also have a propaganda radio station and a, and a media outlet that we fund to push pro American propaganda in Europe. They approached Max Kaiser, and they're the ones that approached Liz Wall. I mentioned to you a while ago when I was doing my show in Paris, I was approached from somebody from Voice America to do an on air hissy fit resignation on R T. And I Wait, was this the same time when that other girl? That girl uh, did. Eventually, oh, it, it came was, out. It was later. Years years later set up. Yeah, it's all it was set great. up. Yeah. And I told him, you know, it's. Of course, we know it's not really Voice be, of America. It's right. Central Intelligence Agency. Right. So, yeah, you know, they, they were flashing <laughs> some big money around. And I'm like, you don't get it. I was a stockbroker in the 80s. You can't bribe me. You're not with not with that sack of money. You've got to come with a truck full of money or go home. But he is bribable. You know, <laughs> if the truck is big enough, I'll maybe three eighteen wheelers. The budget of Voice of America does not wouldn't wouldn't take me to the place I would need to go to to, to, to undermine my own show. You freaking losers, get out of my face! Wow. <laughs> so when Liz is on there, yeah. You can't believe a word she's saying. No. She could still be getting paid. And she goes on. I mean, she really – I just uh, – now let's go back to Liz here because uh, Liz picks it back up like a, like a, like a good uh, – she's still reading the talking points too when, uh, when it goes around. Um, Were these emailed to her by, by chance? Just curious. I like to think they were probably handed to her. When uh, when she got into the studio, they were just you giving will, to her. You will talk about this. Sowing chaos. We we have elected, you know, the chaos sower in chief. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my favorite quotes, too. Mm. So let's talk more about fake news, because fake news is we are uh, the leader, by the way. I Russia is responsible for the fake news that affected the media. It allowed people to run with stories. Yeah. And this week, one of the significant things that happened with fake, it was so much fake news stuff was happening. It was really it was really something. And I, I, Obama started so good with Trump. Like he's like, I'm going to help him out. I'm going to spend extra time with him. I'm going to I'm going to talk about a few things. And now now the White House is thrown down in the fake news department. Let me start by pointing, reminding you of the statement, the extraordinary statement that was issued by the U.S. intelligence community the first week in October. 
in that statement that reflected the consensus view of 17 different intelligence agencies, they've concluded and reported to the American public that Russia was engaged in malicious cyber activity. You know, only the CIA has strongly said that they really believe, like they came out with their, this is our highest level of being sure without saying we're positive. Is, is this the same scale, like the, like color, the color scale? scale? Yeah. Kind of. You can compare to that. They've got like, they've got one more notch to go to say, yeah, conclusive. So we're at orange then. They're at like one notch before conclusive, but only the CIA has come down that hard. All right. In an attempt to destabilize our political system. That's a significant charge. And the fact that the intelligence community came forward and made public this assessment is extraordinary, even <laughs> unprecedented. He's like a robot. That's the first thing. The, the, the second thing Here is... Here we go. You know, there was a lot of reporting over the weekend. Reporting. Uh, about additional intelligence assessments that had been reached. Anonymously sourced reports in the Washington Post that got taken up like crazy. If that's something that can be shared publicly, that's going to come from the intelligence community. It's not going to come from here. Uh, and that is evidence of the continued commitment of this administration to ensuring... Oh, I can't take any more. <laughs> uh, so he says that Trump... He went to the Captain He, Kirk he goes school. on to say that Trump directly benefited from this. Do you think that... Uh, do you think the timing right before the Electoral College vote, you know, 10 days or so before the Electoral College vote, do you think the timing of that is? Uh... It's very suspect. And, but then again, everything that's been happening in this campaign and election season has been outside yeah. The, yeah. the norm. So I I can't tie it together anymore. Uh, I mean, like I was telling you, and I've been sending you some stories and like, you know, keep an eye on this. Let's keep an yeah. eye on this because it almost feels like they're setting up the narrative for what's going to could happen on Monday. I mean, it's never happened in the history of our country, so I doubt it's going to occur. So I have, I but, don't think it's, I, yeah. I mean, I started there, and now I have another theory of where this is going. Oh, I'd love to hear it. I think I got an idea. Okay. Um, and, you know, it's so, it's, this whole thing is so toxic. This whole thing is so toxic. Oh, yeah. That I, I don't want to, I, I don't want people to think like I'm pro-Russia or something like this. If, it, if, if we get concrete evidence that it's the Russians, I'm all in. But we just heard, Chris, there's no doubt. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. <laughs> no doubt. To me, this seems like they're building They're building the case for like a Benghazi-type marring down of the president, just like they would have done against Hillary on the Republican side. So it seems like this is, this is the Democrats sort of preparing for this marring down process. Right. And if you don't get on board, they're going through in the media right now, in the public, they're going through and trying to figure out who's on their side and who's not. And when you're not on their side, they come after you. And I'm no Tucker Carlson fan, but I did not expect this. Oh, Tucker to legitimize the presidential election. Some in Congress are demanding that President Obama brief them on Russian interference with the election. They say that, quote, the Russians, quote, hacked our democracy and they're mad about it. Joining us now is one of the members <laughs> who signed that letter, House Intelligence Committee ranking member Adam Schiff of Burbank, California. Congressman, thanks a lot for joining us. Good to be with you. So one of the complaints in this letter, which is pretty interesting, is that Russia, and I'm quoting now, hacked our political institutions by, among other things, giving us access to John Podesta's emails in WikiLeaks. Now, I'm against hacking people's personal emails, for sure. I think it's a problem. But no one can test that those emails were real and the information in them was true. I and said that. To see that. And it helped them assess how they wanted to vote. Yeah, exactly. The issue is the stuff in the emails was legitimate. The other thing is, is Podesta's email, honestly, 100% hacked, but it was a phishing scam. That's right. And, Someone clicked on a link. And then his IT guy 
had a typo in his email back. I saw the legitimate, illegitimate. Yeah. He meant to say illegitimate, and the ty- he typoed as that's legitimate to change your password. And that was a fake site to change his password. He was fished, and then on the advice of his IT guy, he was told to go ahead and do it. His IT guy says that's the typo that will haunt me or something like that. But uh, Maybe you should use some different words. Again, so they claim that only only a nation-sponsored attack could have been this sophisticated, but yet what, what, the, what the hack was was phishing attempts and yeah. – Supposedly, they were lazy enough to use their source IP address and use Russian encoded language software. So I mean, sloppy. Assess how they wanted to vote. Why is that bad? Are you really arguing against more information for voters? And are you really arguing in favor of a foreign adversarial uh, uh, party? I hate it when people American answer a question with a question. Once information then, comes then, into then, the public then, field, oh, this is the beginning. Uh, if you're in agreement that uh, we shouldn't tolerate foreign countries interfering in our election, uh, hacking and dumping of information, then we shouldn't condone it in any way. Uh, now, uh, are you saying that um, that we're going to look the other way and we're going to ignore Russian interference because... Are you with us or are you against us? They brought to light the facts that were helpful to one candidate or hurtful to the other I mean, or of public interest. Uh, let, me, you know, let me ask you a question. Is he saying that... Because it was a hack or phishing, whatever you want, whatever we want to call it here on the show. Just since it was, we shouldn't even look at the information because it was a hack. Because it undermined our national security. Blah blah blah. Yes. So even though it was truthful, even though the information that was released was truthful to the American people and the world, we are supposed to disregard it because it was obtained improperly. I, I guess I his logic is is that Russia's big strategic plan hatched up in Moscow's towers was they're going to undermine Hillary Clinton and the U.S. democracy by exposing true facts about the politicians and the way politicians work. So the big plan was to expose the truth and thereby undermine people. And explain to me, how is that a problem? I mean, I understand I, I understand the hacking is a problem, right? And it shouldn't be state-sponsored. It, you know, it could have been, some, as they say, some guy in his basement somewhere. But we got the information, okay? Yeah, we'll we'll step up our security, blah, blah, blah. But in the meantime, the information that we got is true. It's true. That we're going to look the other way and <sighs> we're going to ignore Russian interference because they brought to light the facts that were helpful to one candidate or hurtful to the other or of public interest. Uh, the voters had a chance to evaluate that. They made their decision. But if we're going to protect ourselves from further Russian meddling in the future, we're going to have to call them out on it. We're going to have to inform the American people about it. And Donald Trump may have been the beneficiary, and I think he certainly was, of the Russian meddling. This they like that meme. In fact, Pelosi says that they were the Russians were successful in the, in, in electing Donald Trump. This time, but when uh, President-elect Trump has to cross Putin, as invariably he will, because uh, Putin is not our friend. The president-elect may think Putin is our friend, but he's not. Then he may be the I, I get of the it. Same I get it. Nobody's for hacking. Let me just make one clear point. You don't know that Vladimir Putin was behind those hacks. Well, we do know this, and I but can say this. But you don't know that. I, I so can, let's not pretend well, that we do. Well, let's not ignore what the Secretary of Homeland Security and the Director of National Intelligence said publicly, which is that these hacks were of such seriousness. They could not have taken place without the approval at the highest levels of the Kremlin. That's again phishing, but phishing yeah, attacks. I mean, here's thing. One thing. He, I know you guys, our, our listening audience knows, but maybe if you're turning into the show for the first time, you know, what these hacking attempts or phishing attempts, 
what happens? To th- it's like you're throwing crap at the wall, right? And you're and seeing it, what sticks. It turns and, out and if it, it, sticks, it was it just sticks. that. It, it was. It's implied that it was. It was targeted at Podesta. I don't think so. It wasn't. No. no. In fact, there's reports that lots and lots and lots and lots of different accounts in the government where I had these same yes, emails landed. This in. happens all the time. It was during this time. Yeah. He's just one of the fools out of the thousands that potentially got the email. He's one of the few fools that clicked it. He's probably one of the guys that tapes his webcam too. Ignore what the Secretary of Homeland Security and the Director of National Intelligence said publicly, which is that these hacks were of such seriousness they could not have taken place without the approval at the highest levels of the Kremlin. That's so speculation, that and we've is, seen what well, it is speculation. That's it is not it speculation. Is. You can only it's say a speculation. Of fact. Uh, it is a, a statement of the intelligence community's <laughs> best assessment, okay. and, but, and but you can quarrel with that thing because there's a political reason to do it. But, but this not, is what the this not, is what the intelligence professionals are saying. Well, they've told we us a lot. You know, I've lived here a long time. I remember vividly the massive stockpiles of WMD in Iraq, which the intelligence community assured us were there, and they weren't. So specifically, the CIA was seemed to be pretty fired up for some reason to push it that way. Pardon me for my skepticism. I think it's a patriotic position. Oh, yeah. oh, uh, oh. yowzas! You know, I've lived here a long time. I remember vividly the massive stockpiles of WMD in Iraq, which the intelligence community assured us were there, and they weren't. So, pardon me for my skepticism. I think it's a patriotic position. Oh, I, I, but let me just I, say I, this: we know Tucker, Tucker. Let me just say this: you don't have to take my word for it. You don't let have me to just say this. Don't take my word for it. Read a book. Members I get it, but committee. here we've had hacking really of the Pentagon, the White House, the State Department. The CIA director's personal email was hacked, we think in some cases by Russia. I don't remember you holding a press conference and saying, hey, Obama administration, your cybersecurity is pathetic. In this letter to the president, you don't mention the fact that American cybersecurity is inadequate, that the administration is probably responsible for allowing these hacks to happen. Why don't you mention that? Uh, you haven't been watching the opening hearings. Uh, the opening I, I hearings. Have. That, uh, I don't think you have, because if you had, you would see me pressing the administration on the failures to protect our data, like the OPM hack, taking issue with the level of our cyber protection, which is wholly inadequate. You wouldn't see the statements I made in connection with the intelligence authorization Then why not mention it in, in this year. letter? Because this, year, this letter was about Russian meddling, and if you don't think that's significant, <laughs> that a power that is an adversary of ours, that's bombing civilians in Syria right now, that's invading its neighbors, is also interfering in our political processes, as well as our allies. But if you don't respect, think that's serious, it's hard, for me, to, as hard fact, for me to imagine you, you know are on the same actually, party as Ronald Reagan. I'm confused by what you're alleging. So on the, you're saying that you believe the Russian government hacked John Podesta's emails and that voters knew too much, okay? Then you're saying what? That they hacked well, voting I'm machines? I'm saying the voters knew too much. Well, what are you and, saying? And, and what are if, you saying? If, if the Russians hack into your emails and disclose... Which I'm against, which, by the way. Uh, and I'm against, too. But if they did that and disclosed things of public interest, I wouldn't seek to justify but, it. But I'm not justifying uh, and I, and I, it. I would, I would still want to uh, condemn the Russians and I'm protect I'm going to keep you here until you hacks. answer this question, which is, how specifically yeah. did the Russians make this election outcome different from what it would have been otherwise? How all right. How specifically did they uh, did they affect the election? Specifically, did they quote hack our you democracy? Know, uh, we will never know. You know oh. whether this was determinative any more than Director Comey's involvement in the used? election. The means they used were hacking into democratic institutions uh, and the leaking of documents designed in the primary process. Again, to- these are not into. Uh, institutions. This was a Gmail account. Yeah, and again, he's and part of the Russian involvement was supplying it to the Russia uh, to WikiLeaks. That's the part. Of, that's what he's saying right here is designed in the primary process to sow division between the Clinton and Sanders camps. Something we saw actually took place as a result of that, uh, and then in the general election to 
uh, attempt to discredit Secretary of State Clinton in a way that would harm her and would help Donald Trump. How did they do that? Uh, well, it was pretty obvious, wasn't it? They hacked, they released... By releasing the truth. Uh, ...documents that were... That were that real. Were, oh, yes, they were real, and they were ones that were damaging to Secretary Clinton. Uh, can you point to documents that they disclosed that were arguing, damaging to are the... Are you arguing... Party? Let's just get to the bottom line. You're upset because you think this affected the election. I get why you're upset. But are you well, arguing no, no, no. that voters, it's, it's not, it's and not other merely, reasons too, but are you it, arguing well, that voters should not have seen is, that information? This is an important point, though. It's not just the fact that it damaged the candidate I was supporting. All Americans, Democrats and Republicans, and particularly, you know, of the party of Reagan, ought to be concerned when we have Russia Look, interfering I get it. in our But are you affairs. arguing that voters should not have had the right to see that information. If you could take it back, would you say, voters, you're not allowed to see that information? Well, I would say that we ought to stop Russia from doing this. Now, whether the press <laughs> should publish the information or not, Come they should, on, that man. is a different question. I think that there are some cases where the public interest is so great they should publish. But I also think, and this was an issue I took with the press during the campaign, that when they do publish information that the Russians have hacked and the Russians want us to see, they ought to uh, inform the public of the provenance of those emails. But they, they don't say, know it, in, and neither Russian, do you. Oh, you <laughs> don't know that. You don't know that Tucker, the government. You you know, can, I think it's can, really irresponsible you can, for you to say you know that you, the Putin you know government. You know did it is uh, irresponsible, Tucker, for you to make that claim without looking at the evidence. And more importantly, you can't say that you know the Putin government. More did importantly. That. For the president-elect today uh, to to say that he doesn't know whether the <laughs> Russians, you're you're, look, you're, you're on the inside. Okay, let me just ask you one final question: Can you look right into the camera and say, "I know for a fact the government of Vladimir"? This is always kind of debaggy, right? Yeah, look right little... into the camera, Chase. Well, lie to the American people. Tell me, I want you to lie. Let me just ask you one final question. Can you look right into the camera and say, I know for a fact the government of Vladimir Putin was behind the hacks of John Podesta's Absolutely. Email. The government of Vladimir Putin was behind the hacks of our institution and the dumping of, of information. Of John Podesta's email. Not only in the dumping of John Podesta's States, email. But also in Europe. Okay, you're uh, not, you know what, you're dodging. Ed, Ed, Ed Tucker, <laughs> you, look and you say, are, I know they did. John Podesta's emails, they hacked And those. I think that uh, Ronald Reagan will be rolling around. Ronald Reagan again. You're carrying water for the Kremlin. You're carrying water for the Kremlin. Oh, my God, listen to that. Line. Listen to that line. And, and, and Tucker, <laughs> no, look you, and say, are, I know they did. John Podesta's emails, and I, they hacked And those. I think that uh, Ronald Reagan will be rolling oh, over Ronald Reagan, grave fine. Ronald Reagan, Ronald. you're carrying water for the Kremlin. Which, <laughs> carrying water for the Kremlin. You, you're making, look, you're a sitting member of Congress on the Intel uh, Committee, and you can't say I, I, they hacked. hacked. You're going you're gonna to have to move your shoulder to RT Russian television <laughs> because. Oh, my God. So are you serious? Because it's so dumb, and you're being duplicitous. I'm asking you, you're going to have to move your shoulder to RT. Russian television because you know what? This that's is perfect, just so this is beneath your place. office because it's so dumb and you're being duplicitous. I'm asking you. That is so beneath your office. That's a pretty good slam. <laughs> Carlson's really on point here. Did they hack Podesta's you emails and you can't say it. Personal insults like that, Tucker. You're you just said it was carrying. <laughs> I oh, just said it was carrying water for Putin. That's pretty well, hilarious. Oh man, isn't that isn't that that's the lengths of self rationalization they're going and, to? And, right and, now. and honestly. I, I, I like that this interview went to air and everything happened because it, it really paints a picture to people out there. And whoa. Oh, there you go. You see, Chase, but, your mic was built on a house of cards. No, but what I'm going what I was going to say is do you think that the, the the target demo who's watching this either sees it as the truth or is just oh this is another Democrat coming on talking about I blah, think blah, it blah, depends blah. on the reality. I mean, yeah. The perspective, the lens. Um 
Yeah, that's a great question because the the question the question really is is remember who's who's watching this? Yeah, uh, and so the question really is is what perspective are you are you seeing this through? Are you seeing this through the the lens that you wanted Hillary to win, and so the Russians are a convenient excuse? Or are you seeing yeah. this through the lens of that? You know, well, I don't know. I mean, the other. Uh, there's just a lot of different ways to view this particular situation. And, and then on the other side of it, uh, I, I forget uh, the, the the Democrat's name. Do you think he honestly believes what he's saying or he's just sticking to his party's talking points and staying on script? Yeah, I think that's really – you know, I used to think they did believe. But now, years later, I, after doing this show, I believe they just really stay on script. Yeah. That's the safe thing for them to do career-wise. And, and Nobody is, gets fired for doing what they're and, told. And then it comes back full circle. And this is this is why – People and I'm talking about just the general public, not the ones that watch these shows. That they're just tired of it, and and they're and they're. There's a lot of yeah. there's a lot of loose facts too. Yeah. Like the Washington Post has been a source for a lot of this news, and uh, they like they were talking about these anonymous sources uh, linking it to Russia, right. and then recently they had a lot of egg on their face when they had to do a retraction. Uh, the uh, Washington Post is distancing itself from an expert group it used as a source for an article on fake news and so-called Russian propaganda. The paper is responding to widespread criticism that the report it based the article on was flawed and that the group behind it should not be trusted. Well, the initial article, the Washington Post, accused uh, 200 US news sites of being, quote, routine peddlers of Russian propaganda. The list it was referring to was put together by a little-known collective called Prop or Not, which claims to be made up of independent political analysts and computer scientists. An editor's note later appeared above the article pointing out that the paper doesn't vouch for the group. <laughs> I don't really know why the Washington Post, uh, this, you know, Jeff Bezos owns them. I don't know what the deal is with why they're going, why they're coming out there and going after uh, Trump so much. This is really kind of like this 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 posting these stories saying well look what fake news has done look what fake news has done and then and then later on having to post little corrections or retracting the story but yeah. by that point it, it it's already done it's too late so all of the all of the reports in the media that we just played are all based around watch the Washington Post reporting that's inaccurate or it's 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 with weak sourcing all of it but what happens is the Washington Post they cite anonymous sources and then when CNN NBC all of them when they report on it they cite the Washington Post. Right. So it builds on top of it. So Washington Post does the first ring of reporting, citing anonymous officials. And then once the Washington Post reports it, well, then all the other papers can run with it and all of the other media outlets can run with it. And they just source the Washington Post. And that's what usually happens even in, in, in mainstream media on any network where, you know, a Washington Post or a New York Times or a major newspaper, if they get a, a scoop on a major story and they don't have the full sources, they'll say, well, the Washington Post says, for example, or New York Times says, you know, that that happens. That happens a lot. The whole fake news thing is it's there. I still I think it is there. They're they're two parted. Actually, I actually think there's probably five or six major goals behind it, to be honest. Well, with trying you. to save face and, and try to trying get to people save back. face, trying to get people back, trying to explain the Democrats. You know, they lost in not just like a small way, but they lost in a major way. The Democrats are so screwed as a party. It The problem is, is they're really the party of the coast. 
They're the party of the coast, and they're, they're not strongly differentiated enough from the Republicans anymore for it really to matter. So they're a coastal party with less and less relevancy because they don't really connect with the common middle America, middle middle class American like they used to. Yeah. They used to be the class of the they used to be the yeah, party. Yeah, they used the, to be absolutely. Yeah, but they're not anymore. Yeah. They're more of the they're more of the party of the elite. In fact, that specifically was part of the agenda of the Debbie Wasserman Schultz Hillary well, Clinton arm of the Democrat parties. They wanted to become even more of a party of the elites. Well, and, and to be to be fair, Chris. The Republicans used to be that way too, and I and I still think it's kind of a guise where they're they're I think they're in some ways fool people. They think, oh yeah, we're we're the party of the middle class, the working people. Yeah, it's it's totally. But, but, but that's then they're the, very heavy business friendly. Of course, you know. So I mean, the they're same, anti-union. Yeah, I mean, there's there's so many. I understand. Yeah, yeah, okay. I understand, but they are they are connecting better for whatever reason, right, to the middle class. Well, because I mean, I think it really goes back to the last eight years. Uh, but here's it, what I think it, it before, goes you go, back to that. before you go too far, because you were right about the Republicans. They're they're no more really the party of the middle class than <laughs> right. the Democrats are. Yeah, yeah. And here's where th- this is where the rub is. This is why Republicans and Democrats are all on board, because it's not just about saving face for the news media and how little the public has trust in them. It's not just about covering up all of Hillary Clinton's scandals by making this elaborate, complex story around it. It's not just about those things. Those are important things. Right. Absolutely. But also, I believe it is about preventing the public from looking for a third-party candidate. Oh, I, absolutely. They, they, they want to shut out any possibility of any third party taking them out. This is why this is why this is why there are Republicans that are on board. I believe there is a tribe of the Republican Party that's still never Trump. McCain's in there. I wouldn't be surprised if Ryan is secretly in there too. There are powerful Republicans like Lindsey Graham that are in this group of never Trump. McCain wanted Lindsey Graham. So, of course, they're going to be on board with some investigation that's going to mar Trump down and make sure they better make damn sure that he only lasts four years. That's what this is. This is about all of these things, preventing a third party candidate, making sure Trump only goes for four years, explaining away all of the crap about the DNC and Hillary Clinton and covering up for the fact that the mainstream media has completely lost touch with the public and no one trusts them. Right. So. I'm going to throw out a red, red book prediction right now. Ooh. We haven't done one in a while. I know this is this might be an easy one, but I think at the end of four years when they have the the Republican uh, you know primary season, so to speak, and typically it's always a shoe in to have your uh, you know your sitting president to to be the de facto candidate right for your next run. I say he will get he will not make it through the Republican primary season in four years. Hmm. Good word, but if if we'll be if we're around in four years, we'll we'll discuss. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of being around, Patreon.com slash unfilter. Hey now. That's where you go to support the show. So a couple of details about this show. You can get more information by checking our show notes. A lot of the clips we play are things we talk about and we just throw them out there. Right. We've got references in the show notes. And this is a crowdfunded show. You don't have yes. to you, we don't come on here with a fake news agenda. We'll just tell you what we think about a situation. Yeah. When our analysis changes, we'll give you our new analysis. Right. That's one of the reasons to keep it going because the, our positions and thoughts on things change. And one of the great things about this show is you can go back into our back catalog now and you can literally watch the week that this, that this conversation around the Russians hacking started. And you can watch that entire thing. And if you're a supporter at a certain level, you can even get all of the clips. So you can take a shortcut and just go look at all of our Russia folders for the last few months and watch the entire story of all be caught up Boom. immediately. We've also heard about teachers that use this in their classes at college, all kinds of really awesome uses for that. And we also are trying to post the entire live stream 
over at patreon.com slash unfiltered just to encourage you to go over there and get the full show. And if you get into 33 Club, not only do you get swag from time to time, but you can also get in the mail sack. That's right. So every single episode, if you are a 3333 patron, and right now, sold out. Did we find out, Chris, by the way, about uh, expanding oh, that Oh, I out? forgot to talk to upstairs. You know, I've been... Right. You could always raise the issue, because the problem is... I know, is, I could do it. Could, I, I just want to make sure that oh, we well, could... Why don't you ping Ange and I will. get the conversation, because the problem is I just forget. Yeah, no worries. I'm a, I'm a, you know, but to we, remind all you guys, Club 33 is a very special place. OMG, because OMG, OMG. Not only you get the automatic subscription to special unfiltered swag that we put out from time to time, but as an exclusive to you guys, I give you access to my personal email box here, if you will, that you can't hack in any way. No doubt. No doubt. No, 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 no. No, no, no. Hey. But, you know, you can get in. Uh, no comments and feedback this week, but I did throw out a question. So so here's here's what I want you to think about and ponder and you know, maybe tweet at Nunes, N-U-N-E-N-S, and, and, and tell me what you think. Monday the 19th, the Boom. electors will vote for president. Do you think we'll have something more to chat about? Or do you think nothing will change? Oh. So give me your thoughts at Nunes, N-U-N-E-S, and I'll, and I'll share some of those quick comments on next week's show. And I'll have a fresh question for all Club 33ers next week. So please jump in at patreon.com slash unfilter. That's how we go. That's how we roll. We only picked up two patrons last week, which I, I hate to see that. Did we lose any? Well, no, I don't <laughs> know. I don't really track it that close. But what, oh, I'm, okay. what I'm worried about is now that the election's over, people are like, oh, I don't need unfilter. And I, I would really encourage you, if you've enjoyed the coverage we've done, if you like the things that we bring up, and even the conversations that we had, if we just make you think about something, so, you so, keep us So going. right now for the month of December, Chris, I know, yes, I know we last week, we uh, you said we picked up two. Over yeah. the course of the month, yeah. We're at plus one because of minuses and additions and, yeah. and fluctuations. So for the for the month of December, we're plus one. So think about it this way. If you like our show and you like what we're doing, tell a friend about us. Yes. Show them the Patreon yeah. page. Yeah. And you, you don't have to point. come in at 33. You don't no. have to come in at five. You don't even have to come in at two. You can just say, hey, I support you guys. Here's a buck. And that yeah. really that shows and, us and that you like what we're doing. I want to doing. double down on the fact that if you can't if you can't monetarily support That's us, fine. it would totally be great if you could help spread the spread word. Spread the word. That would be awesome. Yeah. Because, you know, retweeting our posts when we go live or when we post the show right. or uh, sending it to friends of yours that are interested in this subject you know, matter. Th- some other free things you can do. You can write a review on iTunes. You know, iTunes and the algorithms and stuff, they actually pay attention when people rate yep. and they comment yep. and they're engaging. And I think if, like, you're an Overcast and you favorite it a lot or something like that, yeah. it'll get recommended more in Overcast, Absolutely. which is a popular place. So there's free ways for you guys. And that's another thing, too. I know maybe maybe we've peaked. Maybe we have. But now it's time to go out and get more people to pay attention to our show and see what we're trying to do and just explaining what's going on out there from really uh, a unfiltered point of view. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Thanks so much, you guys. Yeah, thanks, everybody. Yes. So let's shift gears to where the fake news is really hitting the road. The rubber is meeting the road. And uh, can you <clears throat> just take a moment and imagine if Hillary Clinton was elected president and imagine what this woman would have done to the First Amendment. Just mention briefly one threat in particular that should concern all Americans, Democrats, Republicans, and independents alike, especially those who serve in our Congress. The epidemic of malicious fake news and false propaganda that flooded social media over the past year. It's now clear that so-called fake news can have real-world consequences. This isn't about politics or partisanship. Lives are at risk. 
Wow, really? She's referring to the guy that went into the uh, Comet Pizza uh, with the gun. I know. This is also more recent to that. Lives of ordinary people just trying to go about their days to do their jobs, contribute to their communities. It's a danger that be addressed. It's a danger that must be addressed. The clip has an encoding there. It's a danger that must be addressed. And addressed quickly. Bipartisan legislation is making its way through Congress to boost the government's response to foreign propaganda in Silicon Valley. That scares the hell out of me. I want to play back what she just said. Yeah, that's... pay attention closely here. It's a danger to be addressed and addressed quickly. Bipartisan legislation is making its way through Congress to boost the government's response to foreign propaganda. And Silicon Valley is starting to grapple with the challenge and threat of fake news. Ooh, really nice to see Hillary back in the public again. Well, you know, and you might hate me for those girls. But I I, I agree. She's kind of right. I agree on, yeah. on a scale because I do too. In fact, I have some examples. Yeah, because there's 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 a there's a wide spectrum of like just it is just plain fake and lies. Yeah, I mean, just, yeah. I'm just, I'm not, I don't want to even say the fake news. I'm talking just lies, just to push out there to troll people. Yeah, totally. To to, to make people or just hate to generate clicks or whatever. Anything Sometimes like just that. For ad so I, I agree with that. I mean, obviously, it needs to be clamped yeah. down. I'll give you an example of one that I think is a story that got propagated that uh, is damaging, and it's absolutely fake news. Democrat presidential nominee Hillary Clinton denied telling family members of the people killed in the 2012 incident in Benghazi that the attack was sparked by an anti-Islam video and was not terrorism. One reason that people question your account, and this gets to the important question of trust, is because that day at Andrews, you never talked about terrorism. You, You talked about the video. We've seen the heavy assault on our post in Benghazi that took the lives of those brave men. We've seen rage and violence directed at American embassies over an awful internet video that we had nothing to do with. No, that's not, that's not fair. If you go back and read everything that I said that day, I quoted uh, people who talked about it being terrorism. I had the president of the Palestinian Authority, who worked closely with Chris when he served in Jerusalem, sent me a letter remembering his energy and integrity and deploring, and I quote, an act of ugly terror. So there's the Benghazi story. Remember, we talked about... The fake YouTube video. That was obviously crap when we heard about it. But that's probably maybe not even the best example. There's also this example of fake news from what? How long ago was this? Here's investigative correspondent Cheryl Ackes. It was supposed to be an example of Hillary Clinton's battle-tested experience. I remember landing under sniper fire. In the speech last week, Senator Clinton was referring to her visit to Tuzla, Bosnia in 1996 as First Lady. The brutal war was over, but hostilities continued. And though the trip was exactly 12 years ago tomorrow, the memory seemed etched in Clinton's mind. There was supposed to be some kind of a greeting ceremony at the airport, but instead we just ran with our heads down to get into the vehicles uh, to get to our base. Problem is, that's not what happened. And we should know, CBS News accompanied the First Lady and daughter Chelsea on that Bosnia trip. (laughs) That's Senator Clinton talking to me on the military flight 
flight into Tuzla. Yeah, and there was no... It and was these fine. are the pictures we recorded of the greeting ceremony when the plane landed. Compare that to Senator Clinton's account. I remember landing under sniper fire. There was no greeting ceremony, and we basically were told to run to our cars. Remember, you guys, this was a CBS News story. This was not put together by somebody on YouTube. This is what I call journalism. This is reporting what it was. I think I think it's I think there is legitimate fake stories. I think humans have yes. uh, overall the ability to suss things out. I think the real the real fake news is in controlling the story about Russians or about calling. Okay, let's play. I'll give you an example. I'll give you an example of what creates fake news. It's it's the stranglehold the Clinton administration or the Clinton campaign had on the media. Right. Imagine if Donald Trump had done this. You know, he got in trouble for uh, implying that Megyn Kelly was on her period. Imagine, oh, yeah. imagine if he had done this during the campaign. It would have been front headline Damn. news. All this other, Listen, all this other when stuff. I, I was concerned the campaign was not understanding that uh, perhaps there was an arrogance they needed to sort of get up their eye horse and understand that this isn't over. I'll just say it. NBC got a call from the campaign. Like I had had done something that was journalistically inappropriate or something and needed to be pulled off the air. Mm. I mean, think about that. Yeah. That's just that's, that's well, shooting the wrong you know, messenger. By, by, by the way, Mika, there were also people surrounding the campaign. So there is something a bit of that's a bit of a bombshell in that statement. She's saying yeah. that the Clinton campaign tried to get her pulled off air. Try to get her pulled now, off. We because... know that we actually know the other end of that too because of the WikiLeaks. Uh, Debbie Wasserman Schultz was going via Chuck Todd to Mika to try to get to Mika. Now why did she, why does why does Debbie email Chuck instead of Mika? Do you have a guess? No. I... Because if Hillary Clinton would have been elected, then Chuck Todd would have been. Number one guy called on when she was holding press conferences. Oh, he would have been the press secretary. So she no 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 just the in the media oh, pool. Oh, in the pool, like he would be first. He gets yeah, first question. Got it, got it. And if you get first question, you get to ask the first big question. You get your own camera, and you don't get missed. Yeah, oh yeah, so you're number one. If Chuck doesn't play ball, they pull that. So they have an in with Chuck Todd, who then tries to play heavy with the MSNBC executives. Wow. To try to get Mika pulled off air because she was saying something that was absolutely 100% legitimate. And now imagine if Donald Trump had tried to do that to Megyn Kelly. Right. If he called up Roger Ailes, who was his buddy, and said, look, Roger, you're my friend. I need I, you to do me a favor. You know, I, I heard something the other day, and I, and I don't know if it, would, if it would swing well or not, but someone had a radical idea, and maybe it's not so radical, that part of the reason why the media companies, mainstream media like CBS, NBC, and Fox is so beholden to the either the Democratic or the Republican groups is because obviously of money, because of, uh, you know, in sponsorship deals and all these things. But and the political ads are a huge revenue source right. for them. 2016 was a record makers because of all of the money spent. So what if uh, they they went the way like uh, what they do in Britain, where, you know, everybody puts money into a pot. It's It's a... Uh, independent news source, so to speak. How would how would that ever happen? I, I don't know. <laughs> never going to happen. See, the, I know that issues, would never happen. I the mean, issue but, is, is that uh, the media makes this is how they make their money now. They, it's it's their it's their interest to make this a reality television show. Yeah, it really is, and that's the sad part. 
Uh, I think this is going into a certain direction about maybe we'll talk. Let's talk about this in a second. But let's take a little let's take a little uh, interruption and get an update from your friend. My good buddy. Diane Feinstein. Oh, isn't she on her way out by now? She is. She is so evil incarnate. It is unbelievable. And so when Hillary was uh, up on uh, the hill giving just mentioned briefly one threat in particular that should concern all Americans, Democrats, Republicans and independents alike, especially those who serve in our Congress. The epidemic of malicious fake news. So when Hillary's up there talking about how fake news cost her the election, after she was done, she walks off and has a nice little cozy dinner in Diane Feinstein, Feinstein's private evil lair, her secret <laughs> evil lair, where think about what they're going to talk about. She, she's, do you think Hillary Clinton's just having a casual conversation with Diane, or do you well, think they're talking about massive legislation? You mean, you mean the same random meaning uh, that Condoleezza had uh, on a tarmac somewhere? You mean that kind of randomness? Uh, not Condoleezza. Oh, no, it was but, a Condi. Uh, it was, who was it? You know, you know what I'm talking about. The Attorney General. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. And finally, when Hillary Clinton came to the Hill for the Loretta portrait Lynch. unveiling of Harry Reid, you took the opportunity to take her out to dinner. Um, how is she doing? Well, we had a very quiet dinner, just the two of us, in my hideaway. And I am extraordinarily fond, fond woman. of that woman. And I think it's fair to say uh, that she's hurting. Uh, she is brave. Uh, she is a real professional in the sense of her values, her care, her concern. What? And as I think all of us know. She's a real professional in terms of her values, cares, and concern. Oh, yeah. None of those things describe her. Who watched that campaign. Uh, It was a very hard campaign for her. The name calling. Oh, the name calling. Uh, the email intrusion. It was, oh. The email intrusion was hard for her. All it was hard because private, it was the truth. Because it wasn't Hillary Clinton that set up had the private email server set up. It wasn't Hillary Clinton that chose to use an insecure method to access. That wasn't Hillary Clinton that told her aides to remove classified headers. That 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 wasn't Hillary Clinton's totally fault. Not. I no. love this rationalization. It's yeah, so brilliant. Absolutely. Her care, her concern, and as I think all of us know who watch that campaign, uh, it was a very hard campaign. Campaign for her, it's the so name hard. calling, uh, the email intrusion, uh, the misinterpretation of what she had done with emails. Um, Eleven hours in front of a committee while she was a, can- a candidate, and she stood up to it all. The moment, so- the moment that she was pulled from that 9/11 memorial. Hold on, I need to dig myself. <laughs> like a sack from, of meat. Yeah, just put into a bus. You know, just. So brave. Well, I think she has a spine of steel, and I think she's going to come through this fine. But I think this is really a tough time for a wonderful I mean, human with being. All the millions of dollars that she has in her bed, and how she, <laughs> I don't even know how she sleeps. Here's where I think I this, just don't know. I think there are some people who are crazy enough that they have a certain direction they want to go in. This your good buddy, my friend, Bob Bear, former CIA operative, Bob. loves to come on to CNN with his own personal Alaskan fake background and nice key light. The Russians. It looks like to me did interfere in our elections. We'll never be able to decide whether they change the outcome. But I tell you, having worked in the CIA, if we had been caught interfering in European elections or Asian elections or anywhere in the world. Heaven forbid that the CIA would ever do that. <laughs> he did say if we'd been caught. Those countries would call for new elections and any democracy would. And I just I don't see it any other way. I mean, the Electoral College before the 19th has got to know whether the Russians had an effect, whether they went to WikiLeaks, whether they, they hacked email, and whether uh, they affected American opinion. 
and they so, had a good reason the not to go out to go after Hillary Clinton. Putin hates her for the Ukraine. So, um, Putin hates her for the Ukraine. Putin hates her for the Ukraine. For the Ukraine. Bob, if I'm hearing you correctly, you're saying we should have another election. How would that work? Is that plausible? When a foreign country interferes in your election and the outcome is in doubt and legitimacy of the government, I don't know how it works constitutionally. I'm not a lawyer, constitutional lawyer, but I'm deeply disturbed by. I like how educated our CA operatives supposedly oh, are totally. about the Constitution yeah, works. Of course. Uh, so that's maybe where this is going: is prepping people for that. I could see it, maybe. So what, are, what what do you think, Chris, over or under, it's going to happen on Monday that we're going to have something different? Um, because here's the thing. Here's the problem with this whole scenario. You have a number of states that have refused to hear uh, arguments in court that electors can change their vote to whatever they want it to be. And they do not have to vote with what their state you know voted on. So... I don't know. I mean, it's going to it takes it's going to take what 37 Republican electors, by the way, these these uh, electors that you've been hearing about Democratic electors, like even a, a one in our state, uh, state of Washington. But they're a Democratic elector. It's not going to make a difference. Listen the, the to this. Is 37 electors. Two Washington state electors yeah, head to court about. tomorrow as part of their long shot efforts to block Donald Trump from becoming president. Right now, they face a one thousand dollar fine if they refuse to cast their electoral votes for Hillary Clinton, who won our state. And they hope to persuade enough electors around the country to vote for another Republican. That just seems like such a long shot. Well, but that doesn't matter. It's you have to have Republican electors that are willing to change your vote. It doesn't matter on the on the Democratic side. It doesn't. So what do you think is going to happen, Chase? Well, we, we've honestly thought, well, at least you thought I didn't, that Hillary was going to win the election. I got a stake out of the deal. I'll have a stake out of the deal. I think on Monday, I don't know anymore. I really don't know. Usually, usually the, elector, the Electoral College is just a formality. We don't even talk about it. Oh, it happens on the 19th. Big deal. Do you remember in your life that it's ever been a discussion like this? No. No. In fact, I, I think it's really been sort of just the under-discussed thing. I think a lot of people found out there we even had Electoral College in this election. Don't well, you get the sense that a lot of people didn't know until this election? Uh, no, that's BS. I don't, people I, knew. I maybe, knew. You know, the, probably the problem is, is, of course I knew, but the interviews I've been seeing where they're doing the men on the street interviews, people are like, I don't even know why we have Electoral College. Just count the votes. Yeah, but the thing is that those are, I'm, I hate those kind of interviews because first off, they only take the clips that look good on camera. Yeah, true, they, yeah. They're not going to take the clips that actually goes, yeah, I know about the Electoral College. I, I think it's a great system because of, you know, how is the setup, blah, blah, blah. So what do you think about these these uh, quote unquote tech giants? I hate that term. Uh, oh, going that to Trump Tower today? today. Yeah. What do you think about that? This is all a show. This is a complete show. I, I I don't know Trump, obviously. All I know is what from what we've seen. And from what we've seen from Trump is he loves an audience. He loves either it's a big audience or a small audience. And he's having people come to him. And I think he's getting this big power trip off of it. Like, hey, people coming to see me. You know, it's a super that, huge. You got to work on your Trump impression. I, I'm sucking. I want to take you straight to Trump Tower and listen in on Donald Trump and leaders in the tech industry around this roundtable. Asking to come to this meeting. <laughs> and uh, I will say, Peter was sort of saying, no, that company's too small. <laughs> and these are monster companies. But I want to thank, I want to start by thanking Peter because he saw something very early, maybe before we saw it. And of course, he's known for that in a different way. But 
He's been so terrific and so outstanding. And we got just about the biggest applause at the Republican National Convention. So Elon Musk has come on as an advisor. He's going to be an advisor to Trump, whatever that is. You know, means. he also said, you know, there's no chain of command. You can just call me whenever you want or call my people and we'll call. You know what? You just whatever you need. Big league. Big league. Let's uh, wonder. That's interesting. Uh, so you mentioned this when we sat when you sat down. Trump's got these conflict of interest. Stake in Celebrity Apprentice. Uh, according to the New York credit. Times, you're going to shift operations, but you're going to keep your stake in your real estate business. Well, essentially, I'm not going to have anything to do with the management. I know, but isn't that a huge conflict of interest, sir? When I ran, everybody knew that I I was a very big owner but of they real don't. estate all over the world. I'm- yeah, they, when you ran, of course, everybody knew. That doesn't mean that it's okay. I mean, I'm not going to have anything to do with the management of the company. You know, when you sell real estate, that's not like going out and selling a stock. That takes long time. It takes. I have. I'm going to have nothing to do with it. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't care about it anymore. I'm so focused on doing a great job as president. I don't care if our rent roll goes up a little bit. Well, if you don't care, Mr. Trump, why don't you just go ahead and get out of it then? If you just don't care. So that's controversy number one right now. And then controversy number two is Trump says he doesn't need daily intel briefing reports. Well, yeah. You are getting the presidential daily brief yes. only once a week. Well, I, I get it when I need it. But is, it, is there no, some no, skepticism? I I, first of all, these are very good people that are giving me the briefings. And I say, if something should change from this point, immediately call me. I'm available on one minute's notice. Hi, many in the press. In- so, you know what? He in another interview, you know what else he said is he said these reports just say the same thing over and over again every day. I'm a smart person. You don't have to repeat it. Tell me when something changes. You know what? I kind of agree. I do, too. I think that's kind of funny. <laughs> I'm agreeing with Hillary and Donald. I know. This Wait, you know what? You know what? You know, you know what's going to happen, Chris? You know, the the on filter show, the, the our competitor show, what what they're going to do is they're going to say, look, look at Chris. You know, he's such a Trump, Trump fan. And they're going to say, look at Chase. He's such a Hillary fan. Yeah. And then what's going to happen is yeah. the whole world's going to implode. So I think uh, Trump is probably underestimating the amount of work he's about to go into. That seems kind of obvious from his statements. But I kind of agree. Don't have, you don't have to be notified unless something changes with Hillary with the fake news thing. I think she's having a public meltdown. I think she's pulling on her last strings and she is having a public meltdown or she's trying to tie up a legacy. By the way, you know, speaking of Hillary, you know where I ran into the park the other day? Oh, just hiking? Just hiking the yeah. Appalachian Trail. Was it uh, Rex Tillerson, the uh, new uh, st- the guy that's going to run the State Department, former yes. Exxon CEO? How did you know? Donald Trump's proposed Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, is coming under scrutiny, of course, for those ties to Russia. But in Russia, a different reaction, an unexpected present for Putin. In this- yeah, an unexpected present. You see how they're going <sighs> immediately to Russia with this? Immediately they go to Russia now. I mean, to be fair, I mean... Yeah, he's yeah, Exxon. Yeah, yeah. yeah he he's like, done a lot of stuff you get like over some there. sort of medal of friendship directly from Putin. Yeah. I mean, the guys, yeah, obviously. However, doesn't seem like that's necessarily a bad thing. Unless you guys want to go, do you want Chase? Do you want war? Do you want to go to war, Chase? Let me let me let me check my phone. Uh, no. Oh well, then it seems like that's probably a good thing. Oh, okay. Present for Putin in this interview that Richard Engel got in Moscow. That is Trump election and uh, the new administration, the way it is being shaped right now. So this is the former Russian minister of energy. And so for whatever reason, I think maybe because he has an accent, uh, (laughs) MSNBC felt that he was good to go for. So they went all the way to Russia. Uh, Or I actually doubt it. Or some diner in New York. Yeah. Yeah. A gift for Putin. He couldn't have dreamed about anything like that just a few months ago. A gift for Putin. Joining me now is... And that's what they focus on. Uh... 
I thought that was just kind of a – it's interesting to see them go right to Putin. Right. Straight to Putin. Right. Now, uh, I don't have a high note for us. OK. That's fine. But I do have a kick-ass update. Now, we're going to do some more Syria coverage in the overtime because there's some interesting developments there. But this is so awesome. This is a rep – I think you say – a representative, I think it's Gabbard. She's from Hawaii. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So apparently nobody, nobody's. Yeah. Nobody, I remember her. She was the one that went for Bernie uh, at the convention. She was kicking she was really ass. Nice. Yeah. She's, she's really cool. And I don't. Maybe maybe nobody big money doesn't have any reason to buy out her, so they're not shutting her up. But uh, listen to this conversation. She listen to her. I don't know if Jake again is Jake lying. Is he is he is he somehow woefully uninformed as a news presenter, or is he shilling? He's you tell me. Too much Minecraft. Are directly supporting these terrorist groups who are supposed to be our enemy, who we're supposed to be fighting to defeat. And tell me about the legislation. You have a bill that you introduced today that would yes. address loopholes. You say have allowed American taxpayer dollars to fund terror groups such as al-Qaeda. So she wants to close up our methodology to fund these these groups. And ISIS in Syria. Are you, you really suggesting that the U.S. government is funding these terrorist groups? What? 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 Are you serious? Are, are, are you? She had Jake, just said it. Come you, on, I don't know if you heard Jake, it, but when the, yeah. clip, when the she was just saying yeah. that. Yeah. Come on, Jake. In Syria. Are you, you really suggesting that the U.S. government is funding these terrorist groups? Uh, I'm not only suggesting it. This is this is the reality that we're we're living in. And not directly. Mo- most though. Americans, you know. not directly. No. Oh no no. That's no. fine though, right? Because we're doing it through Saudi I mean, Arabia. Yeah, if we're not doing Turkey, it directly, if we're going through fine. a third party, it's okay. It's still yeah, it's still tax dollar. But it's fine, right? It's it's okay. Suggesting it. This is this is the reality that we're we're living in. And not directly. Mo- most though. Americans, you know, if if you or I were to go and provide money. Uh, weapons or support or whatever to a group like Al Qaeda or ISIS, we would immediately be thrown in jail. In fact, we have thrown men Many in jail. People, yeah. So that's a great point. Is as a U.S. citizen, if you did what they're doing, you would go to jail. That is a brilliant point. We would immediately be thrown in jail. Uh, however, the U.S. government has been providing money, weapons, intel assistance, and other types of support through the CIA directly to these groups that are working with. Uh, and are affiliated with al-Qaeda and ISIS. So you're saying the CIA is giving money to groups in Syria and those groups are working with al-Nusra and ISIS? There, are, there have been numerous reports from the New York Times to the Wall Street Journal and other news outlets who have declared that these rebel groups... Referring to reports is like the universal way now to cover your ass. Say, well, I, didn't, I, did not right. decla- I did not release any classified information. I referred to reports in the public. Street Journal and other news outlets who have declared that these rebel groups have formed these battlefield alliances with al-Qaeda, that essentially these al-Qaeda groups are in charge of every single rebel group on the ground fighting in Syria to overthrow the Syrian government. Now, the U.S. government says that they vet the groups that they give money to very, very closely. Now, all of a sudden, now all of a sudden he's aware that we give money. Now, all of a sudden he's he's uh, what? He has a brain now. Apparently he's aware uh, no, no, of the you semantics. Know what it is. Uh, the producer in his ear was actually giving him Could the script. Could that be it? Could be. Because all of a sudden now he's apparently aware of the semantics of how we how we arm and fund them. You know why? Because I bet you the producer is like, you know, Jake, you've said that before. You've actually said that before. You need to turn around on that right now. The groups that they give money to very, very closely uh, and that you're wrong. There, there are not alliances between groups that the She's American miles. taxpayers fund and these other groups. Obviously, they all are fighting Assad. Uh, I, I beg to differ. Evidence has shown time and time so again uh, that that is not the case, that we are both directly and indirectly supporting these groups who are allied with, are partnered with uh, al-Qaeda and ISIS. In- 
she sits, by the way, on the Armed Services Foreign Affairs yes, Committee. So, so yeah. she's, she kind of knows what's going on. Working to overthrow the Syrian government of Assad. And we've also been providing that support through countries like Saudi Chris, Arabia, Turkey, Chris, and Qatar. Uh, I'm confused. Quickly. I'm actually rubbing my head right now. I'm a little confused by her. Uh-huh. She's speaking like truth and fact. Yeah, I, I'm thinking there's not big money interest in Hawaii that would, like big military money interest or something. Yeah, but, I don't know what could but, be. But, I don't know. But they're letting her go out on CNN. Yeah, she should definitely avoid hot tubs, small aircraft, uh, She jogging. has to be on an aircraft. She 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 flew in yeah, to be go, on CNN. Go on, go on public flights. Oy. Don't jog. Very attentive, uh, by the way, in the chat room. Uh, she's a vet, too. Yeah. So it's like... She knows what's up. She knows what's up. Yeah, yeah Hawaii the, National Guard, right? Or something like that? So here's yeah. what I wanted to mention. Yeah. Uh, if you missed the high note from this week's episode, don't worry. I wrap up the overtime with a, with the high note. So oh, we have thank you. Syria coverage in there. We have more fake news in there that I would love you to hear about, uh, as well as some great Obama quotes, some South Korea news. And then the high note in the overtime. Nice. So that's all coming up in a bit. But if you're heading out now, since this is really sort of the meat of the show, I want to say thank you for joining us. Mr. Yes. Chase, where can people find you? They can find me on the Twitter what? at N-U-N-E-S. But I also want to put out a special shout out. I've been doing OMG, a lot more OMG, OMG. game streaming over on Twitch. So if you have Twitch, if you like watching game streaming, twitch.tv slash geekgamertv. Oh, snaps, dude. Nice. And, and I would love it if you guys jump in. I, I, I play lots of stuff. Chris, I'll give, I'll give a plug for my YouTube channel then, Yo, youtube.com slash Chris Fisher. Your vlog, by the way, I mean, your production and your skills, it shows how much you've learned through the years. Thank you, sir. And it's great. I've been enjoying that it. project, yeah. It's a great project. Thank you very much. And, of course, you can find out when the show is live over jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. You can submit content at unfilter.reddit.com. Um, yeah. And uh, you can also get in Chase a sec if you're in the 33 Club, which That's we may right. have more openings for soon. That right. Cool. And, and by the way, I'm going to be throwing out questions oh. to you guys to try to prompt responses oh. in the sack. So I want to hear from you. And don't forget to help spread the word about the show. Retweet our releases and uh, share it with a friend. It's There's no, you know, why not give the gift of Unfilter? Please. Give the gift. Give the gift this right, holiday everybody. season. It's a we'll nice stocking see you right suffer. back here next, next week. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Overtime for episode 217, brought to you by Patreon.com slash Unfilter. Thank you, patrons. So I want to kick off with some news about Syria, because it wasn't something that fit in the main show, and it is absolutely newsworthy this week. So that is our next destination, but I just want to take a moment and thank our two new patrons we got this week, Kem and Dave, two patrons over at patreon.com slash unfilter. Not a, not a um, heroic showing, not a, not a good week for us, but we still are very appreciative, all of you who feel like this show is worth listening to. And want to keep us going and want to see us do more. Patreon.com slash unfilter. Thanks, everybody. 
something you're not seeing covered very much in the Western media. They're talking about... Actually, you know, I could show you. This is kind of weird. This is kind of backwards. You might be wondering why this is the headline story about Syria right now on CNN. Before the break, we just saw a compelling story of a little girl in Aleppo, but she is just one of so many people, so many children who have suffered in that city. Hundreds of thousands of people have died in that civil war. Since 2011, and many of those who died are children. With me now is Franklin children. Graham, president and CEO of Samaritan's Purse and the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Now, I don't uh, mean to downplay any any casualties, especially children. I have a fa- I'm a father of three. This is why I actually find this to be extremely egregious because CNN is very aware of how different stories play to their to the emotions of their viewers, and they're trying to bypass your rational thinking circuitry and access your more emotional circuitry. The ones that are when you think of your children and Christmas, especially those of you that have a religious faith that sometimes feel a call from God to do more. Welcome. I'm so glad you're Thank here. You, I see you have a gift. Uh, you know, I do. And uh, it's Christmas. And uh, I love Christmas. And we need a break from politics. Uh, <laughs> this, this year, uh, Samaritan's Purse, we are gathering uh, over 12 million of shoeboxes just like this. And we'll go to 130 countries with them. And some of them will be in Syria, uh, going to Iraq with them, uh, especially the, the, the kids coming out of Mosul right now. Uh, but this is all packed by individual families. We have several hundred thousand volunteers that help us put these boxes together. Think about the think about that for a moment. I bet a lot of them are watching this moment. They've been told when he was going to be on CNN. It's a big deal for them. And I want every child in the world to know that God loves them and that he cares for them. And this is what Christmas is all about. You know, the Bible says that God so loved the world. God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this world to take our sins and die on the cross for our sins. I want the children of the world to know that so, so God how, loves them and he will forgive their sins. How can you get sins. that message just, for example, children in Syria? And you're, you're, it's such oh, a sure. message of hope, and I don't mean to dim that, but, you know, what I just saw with Fred Plykin's report is so disturbing. 100 children trapped in yeah, a building that's uh, being absolutely. bombed right now. That's right. And that's why I want the children, when we give these gifts to, to kids like that, that are that are coming out of Mosul, that are coming out of Aleppo, I want them to know that they aren't forgotten, that God loves them. Because these are kids that have, have lived in horror. They've lived in hell. Uh, and they've experienced and seen things that... that she goes on to say, but you, you can't get in there. You can't. There's no... Like Syria. And you do work in Iraq. In fact, you said in Mosul, Iraq, you're going to build a hospital, Correct. which is going to be up and running by Christmas Day, Christmas which is great. So they're trying to pull in all the heartstrings. She goes on to, to question, how can you ever get into Aleppo? How can you ever do this? The, re- the reason why they're talking about this and this, this very emotional story is to distract you from the rather devastating defeat that the Western interests and backed rebels, we, we need a term for that. Uh, the, the defeat that they've received in Aleppo. Now it depends on how you how you uh, how you view this story. One view would be that uh, the Syrian government has restored full control over eastern Aleppo. The other view of this story is the Assad regime has pushed out the rebels and is taking over the city. It depends on your view or your perspective. We're just receiving the news that the Russian uh, envoy to the United Nations has said that it's official that this 
bloody battle for Aleppo is finally over. And uh, he said that this should mean that a plan is urgently put in place to provide uh, urgent humanitarian aid to the remaining residents of Aleppo, which is estimated to be around 50 percent of the pre-war uh, population. So they're declaring victory there in Aleppo. That's a big deal. Uh, and of course, the U.S. is declaring victory of their own kind, not like over the certain ter- territory that was supposedly super important, more like victory over how many people they've killed. But listen to how they collect the numbers. Let's break some of this down. The campaign against ISIS, the war, has been going on for two years, prosecuted mainly by the United States in airstrikes across Syria and Iraq. Definitely not Russia. The White House envoy to all of this says that ISIS's ranks are depleted down to 12 to 15,000 uh, capable fighters. That is a huge drop. That's 75 percent from what it was at one point. And in fact, just a few days ago, the administration said it had already uh, tallied, if you will, that 50,000 ISIS fighters had been killed in the last two years. Most of this is taking place from coalition airstrikes. Pilots generally report what they think the total number of people they've killed in an air. So that's where the number is coming from, is the pilots are reporting. They think, I well, and I want to drop those bombs. I think I probably killed about 10,000 people. That's got to be the worst part of the job ever. What they think the total number of people they've killed in an airstrike is not extremely precise, but it is a pretty good calculation of where they are. The other reason the numbers are going down inside Syria and Iraq, the last two years, you have seen the borders get tightened up, especially the Turkish border north of Syria, north of that area where the ISIS fighters had been crossing in in such large numbers for several years, the foreign fighters, if you will. So a lot of progress right now. And it's raising some interesting prospect. You know, Donald Trump campaigned on he wanted to really get rid of ISIS. He was going to get a new war plan from his generals. Well, by the time Donald Trump takes office, we will see where this war has progressed to. And it looks right now like they are making significant progress. We'll see what's left for Trump to deal with. You see, do you see what they're doing there? Do you catch that? You see that it's a fake war to begin with because they're supplying the rebels. So as soon as they cut off the supplies, the rebels immediately fall apart. The ones that are left are the hardcores or the mercenaries that are now getting paid by somebody else. So it's easy for them to declare victory over ISIS because they simply defeat ISIS by stopping the money and the Toyotas and the guns and all of the other communications equipment. It's simple. And if Russia and Assad have been successful in getting back into Aleppo, which was a massive part of the fight, if Russia has been successful there, essentially this war has taken a turn for the favor of Assad. He's, he, they, they, they're starting the, – the tide has turned here. So the, the U.S. really has nowhere to go. So why doesn't Obama just press the easy button at this point? All he has to do is go, hey – we're not going to let them. We're not going to let Donald Trump solve ISIS because Trump gets in there. He buttons this thing up. It's it's pretty brilliant. And you can see that they weren't expecting to have to do this. So it's not exactly a clean narrative because they thought Hillary was going to get in. So they didn't expect this problem. The problem is, of course, the rebels now look like real sons of bitches. It's starting to come out that these guys are not your ordinary bastards. Tens of thousands of people have been crossing into safe areas in that Syrian city of Aleppo, so much in the headlines of late. They took advantage of an ongoing temporary halt in fighting that's been declared by the Syrian army to try to ensure civilians are able to leave that conflict area. Many of them say the militants had kept them in constant fear with threats of torture and mass killings. Now, militants 
are the rebels. The, now, they call them militants because uh, rebels kind of gives them too much credibility as being somebody that's against the government. Militants more implies what they really are, people for hire or people that have a certain persuasion. Militants, tra- and they've been trained by the CIA, so technically they would be more militant. Torture and mass killings. This is one of the humanitarian corridors. Of course, they're going to choose to show whichever one puts it in the best light. This one seems to be in pretty good condition overall. Okay, it's dark in Aleppo now. We've got this through. We've been across this feed all afternoon from the Russian Defense Ministry. Various live drone shots coming through. It's pretty interesting to see how much drone footage is playing a part of this for different various media outlets. I think that's a really crazy, interesting trend. Uh, And it allows them to get shots of the people there that uh, otherwise uh, people would say don't exist. They don't exist. Uh, They're not really there, they say. The State Department has a pretty one-dimensional view of what's happening in eastern Aleppo. Its spokesman John Kirby confirmed it today when asked if he saw reports of people cheering in eastern Aleppo as the Syrian government was retaking control of that part of the city. No, there are all these reports about uh, atrocities and so on, and I'm not in any way questioning uh, their possible credibility. But also, I saw other reports where people are jubilant, they're happy to see the army command, they're going to the western side where they can get, you know, medicine and food and so on and all these things. So it is not all just one one dimension, kind of. Would you agree with that? No, I don't, Said. I mean, I haven't seen every picture coming out uh, of Aleppo. But I've seen... RT uh, very cleverly playing B-roll of people celebrating in Aleppo while he's saying he hasn't seen it. I haven't seen... Honestly, Said, I haven't seen any dancing in the streets. Obviously, a lot more dancing in the streets. coming out of the war tour in eastern Aleppo are telling stories that contradict the State Department's view of the situation there. And apparently, John Kirby never heard those stories from his sources of information. We gather the best information that we can from a a variety of sources. Uh, Some of it's press reporting, no question. A lot of it comes from reputable aid agencies. Aid agencies and press reporting? Uh, that um, that are either on the ground or have associates on the ground. Um, those he's talking about folks that are these are <laughs> these are the most biased. Most these he's talking about like the the groups that the, the humanitarian groups that are supposedly like for example uh, the best the best example of this is what was happening in Ukraine. There was there is. This is the most biased group of people, often backed by NGOs. On the ground or have associates on the ground uh, in Syria. That's why so much of the reporting cites what the rebels report. The Syrian army, the Free Syrian Army reports. The rebels report that. And so they're cited as, as if their reporting on the ground can be trusted. They're there. They also have a very, very key interest in manipulating the story. Associates on the ground uh, in Syria. You have to have your own independent sourcing. You're the State Department. And some of it comes from intelligence sources, which I'm obviously clearly not going to get into. And So you have the CIA who wants to go to war with Russia that's feeding you information. And then you have the pedo bear guy who can go into Syria and give children Christmas presents, even though they don't celebrate Christmas. 
He can get into Syria and give them presents, but you can't get independent reporting into Syria? What kind of sense does that make? This is an important situation. Intelligence sources, which I'm obviously clearly not going to get into. And I don't think that it's incumbent upon me or anybody else from a podium uh, to sit there in detail and provide a laundry list of every single individual organization that gives us information. It's a mosaic. Uh, and frankly, again, I would encourage you to go flip on CNN today oh! and look for yourself at the imagery that's coming out of Aleppo by a reputable news organization. <laughs> Fake news! fired up there. Let's lighten it up with a little media tantrum. I love an on-air tantrum. You remember the House Committee on Foreign Affairs Republican Congressman Dana Rohrabacher. He's the chairman of the subcommittee on Europe, Eurasia, and Emerging Threats. Uh, Dana, how, how, how did the United States sit back and do absolutely nothing as Assad was slaughtering his people and the Russians stepped in and joined in on that slaughter? Why did we do nothing? Oh, okay. So, <laughs> uh, so I... Um, can we can we can we just can we just play that again? Not to be obnoxious, but do you hear the uh, the the mountain of assumptions which Joe is sitting on top of to ask that question? Uh, this is really this is some good stuff. Let's just little... Asia and emerging threats. Uh, Dana, how 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 did the United States sit back and do absolutely nothing as Assad was slaughtering his people and the Russians stepped in and absolutely nothing. Absolutely, the rebels funding them. All absolutely nothing. That's nothing. That's that's nothing. Joined in on that slaughter. Why did we do nothing? Well, that's a, a question that's based on false premises. No, and it's as far not. as I'm concerned. No, it's now, not. Here's the no, well. Wait a minute. You want me to answer your question? No, I, I just it don't. Is. Want to it is. It is. Is this channel every time they ask a question and somebody tries to answer the way they want to? Well, no, they interrupt you, you, that you, I, for we that just guess? don't let people come on the show. This and is lie. what happened before. Let me let me let me put it this way. What happened you. before? You lied before. We wouldn't cut uh, you off no, unless I've you been, lied. Are you saying the Russians didn't target women and children in Aleppo? Are you going to let me answer? You're going to I just asked the Oh my God, this guy. He, what a dick. Joe is being such a dick. The guy's trying to correct him. That's your question. Okay, and, goodbye. And you said it was Listen, a false goodbye. Grimace. If you're not going to let me uh, say anything, Dana. it's goodbye. All right, Dana, I'm a guest in your program. Dana, thank you so much. I am a guest in your program, and you're not letting me have a say. Well, I asked. Question you don't, yeah, you don't want you don't want me to answer the question the way I am going to no. answer the okay. question. You if got I have ten a chance, seconds. Right? Go ahead. Answer Go. the question. Jeez. All right. So now you're going to give me a chance to do it. All right. The bottom line is we are in war with radical Islam. We are at war with people who want to destroy us. You're talking about a no-fly zone where we are where, where we are shooting down Russian airplanes. No, no we need to be I, I, we need no, to be working with the about. Russians I, to I defeat radical the, I asked Islam. about the women and children that the Russians. No, you didn't, Joe. You asked why do we sit by and do nothing? Sit by and do nothing. The only thing you're referring to would be the no-fly zone because we've been doing everything else. Russians were targeting. Are Let me they, tell you something. We allied with Stalin. We allied with Stalin in order to defeat Hitler. Well, now. Stalin was a like horrible man. Uh, he murdered millions of people, right. but we knew Hitler was a bigger threat. Today, the biggest threat is radical Islam right. to our safety. So, and if we keep trying, if we keep trying to, to focus on all of the faults yeah. of Russia so that we can't work with them.
And to defeat this common enemy, right. you're not doing any service to the people of the United States or the cause of peace. Well, I, I, I think we found common cause here. You, you're comparing Vladimir Putin to, to Stalin. I think that's I think that's a, a, a apt comparison. <laughs> um, I don't care who we compare him to. Yeah. We need Russia on our side to defeat radical Islam, as we allied with Stalin to defeat Hitler. The, and for for talk about a no-fly zone, we're going to shoot down Russian airplanes. And by the way. There is a lot of question as to who those people are on the ground who are, who women are and now claiming to be moderate Muslims, and we have ended up financing radical so, Islamists. Michael, who heard us. so Michael, yeah, yeah, damn right. We've ended up founding the bad guys, made them stronger than ever. Uh, let's do a little update on Standing Rock. They're below ten, at least, often more than that, really. Wind chills to 20 to 25 below are expected over the next few days. Protesters vow to stay in the camp despite the hazardous weather. Anything that was outside is frozen. I think what people did yesterday was pretty smart, though, for the, for the big pots they had. They filled them up the night before. And so now they're coming in and they're frozen blocks of ice. So now they need to be defrosted. Coffee is, is a scarcity right now, but it's coming. With this many people out there working, I mean, people wake up, they go out there, they're working, they're grabbing wood, they're cleaning, you know, the, the, the kitchens, they're cooking food for people. It's Everybody here has a job, and it doesn't matter which direction they go, they, they got something to do. It's windy and cold, but it's inspiring. I mean... There's a lot of people kind of in need, but everybody's surrounding them, and I think everyone's getting their needs from that. Yeah, it's pretty extreme, but I think the camp's pulling it together. Hey, Sweet Lou, could you do me a favor? Uh, uh, could you find a link for me in the uh, in, on YouTube uh, for that video? I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, you guys, guys got to check the show notes this week. It is they are nuts. There's so much stuff going on, and uh, in, in the show notes alone. So yeah, the conditions in North Dakota are. Are awful. I, I got one more. I gotta get. Geez, let's do this. Let's just gonna kick open a whole can of worms. Let's go back to Morning Joe and then start from here. It's now clear that so-called fake news can have real-world consequences. This isn't about politics or partisanship. Lives are at risk. It's a danger that must be addressed and addressed quickly. It's imperative that leaders in both the private sector and the public sector step up to protect our democracy and innocent lives. So, Mika, what do you think about Hillary Clinton not, coming out and talking about fake news? I'm not sure. I'm just really, I'm really sad about how things have happened. I, honestly, that's what I think of. <laughs> I mean, the context, of course, is what happened up in um, I know the context. Right. And apparently she did call this guy. And, you know, I think, I don't think fake news contributed to her loss. I'm not saying that. that I do that's th- what she suggested. I know, and I think that's wrong. I mean, I think it, it played a role in the conversation in the election. I don't think that's disputable, but... It is a it is it's a big problem, right? I mean, it it's is a huge a big in our problem industry for about ten years. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's be- <laughs> yeah, there you go. All right, so just got that to open this field back up, and uh, got to go to my favorite Senator Reid. His uh, eyeball after getting his ass kicked is looking much better. Don and Kate, thank you, and Senator, thank you for sitting with us. Um, I want to start talking about Russia and the intelligence community. You sit in a lot of these intelligence briefings. Uh, from what you understand, uh, was Russia trying to sway the elections to die? Trump. Any of the briefings I've had have appeared in the 
And I don't know anything there that I haven't heard in the press. They all are saying that right now, by the way. That's why in August, in August, <clears throat> there were also all, even then, reports of Russia being messing around. We knew they had hacked the DNC, and there was talk then we knew it. about what are they doing to affect the election. Remember, they didn't leak one single thing they got from the RNC. They were leaking stuff out through WikiLeaks. And so I thought it was important to put the FBI in notice to do something about it. I wrote in August, and the FBI director didn't have the decency, the courtesy, to even respond to my letter. So I got something from somebody on the government affairs department, somebody that probably doesn't know his way down to the Capitol, sent me a letter saying, hey, we're looking into it. They looked into nothing. Why do you think that is? Well, it's obvious he was a partisan in all this. Comey. Yeah, part of Comey. Oh, there it yeah. is. It's obvious. There's information out there. He had it, I'm confident, and he ignored it. All right, so Comey. It's Comey's fault. It's Comey's fault. It is Comey's fault. That's a good one. And Reed, is, this is not the first time you said that. I, I, in fact, I played it once before a few weeks ago, but they are just hammering this. Pelosi's out there as well. I want to ask you about Russia because yeah. this could be... By the way, if you're watching live, that wasn't a freeze frame. That wasn't a freeze frame. She's just sitting there with her mouth hanging open and her tongue kind of up there like that. I want to ask you about Russia because this could be more controversial because of what the CIA has said and what the intelligence communities have all agreed on is Russia's role in trying to interfere with the U.S. election with hacking, not just hacking the DNC, but hacking John Podesta's emails. And then, according to our own reporting and a lot of other reporting, turning that material through intermediaries over to WikiLeaks to be distributed. Uh, What... What do we know about what Russia tried to do and how effective they may have been? I think it's quite remarkable, and people should take sharp notice of the fact that the President of the United States has made the statement he has about the Russian involvement in the disruption of our election. Even if it didn't succeed, even if Hillary Clinton had won, it's still very important for us to have uh, an investigation. I prefer an outside, nonpartisan, bipartisan uh, commission to review it. This is going to mar him down, just like if Clinton had got in, they were going to mar her down. And she goes on and on. Next clip comes from Mediate. The intelligence agencies did come to an agreement that Russia was trying to influence the elections without describing a motive. When I spoke to President-elect Trump about that back in October, he said he hadn't gotten the briefing. Has he been briefed now on those findings? Listen, I'm not, by the way, George, as you know, from working in the White House, it takes a long time. I'm not the president, so the president, you know, has top secret clearance immediately. I don't. It takes time. So I'm not in those top secret meetings, nor would it be appropriate. The president can't tell me what's what's being said in a top secret meeting unless I have top secret clearance. I will eventually be in those meetings. But look, the Russians didn't tell Hillary Clinton to ignore Wisconsin and Michigan, okay? I mean, I know it's this is this insane uh, analysis. She lost the election because her ideas were bad. She didn't fit the electorate. She ignored states that she shouldn't have. And Donald Trump was the change agent, okay? So this is all very interesting. But Donald Trump won in an electoral landslide. Uh, that had nothing to do with the Russians. No, nobody or here is, else nobody here is, is questioning. Nobody that. here is questioning the victory. I want to know why President-elect Trump doesn't believe the conclusions of 17 intelligence agencies. But you don't have a source. I mean, you're claiming that an unna- unnamed report 
This is what I can't understand. Look, I think that. No, but, but hold on a second, the, no, Mr. No, I'm talking about. I'm talking Look. about the finding in October that is public now of 17 different intelligence agencies tried to meddle with our elections. That's before this weekend. That's not true, Judge. You don't know. You don't know that conclusively. The, the report also said that there wasn't agreement among the 17 agencies when the, when the FBI came out. They came out when they were when there was a conclusion on the DNC. Their conclusion was very clear, and they made it public. Now, if this that's what I'm talking about, that's precisely the out. conclusion I'm talking about. <laughs> but, <laughs> but they didn't that conclude either. that it was Russia, George. But they didn't conclude. I wonder if George has read the report. Do you think he has? Because I, I there's not just one report. That's the problem. It was Russia. I'm not. I don't care. Listen, I don't care if it's Russia or whoever. They shouldn't. Uh, we're going to protect Americans. We don't want <laughs> these countries or whoever else these people are hacking our country, our parties. Our, our it, it, we protect our Americans. We don't like it. Um, we're against it. But what I can't do is have an intelligent conversation with you about a report in the New York Times that is unnamed, inconclusive, and based on something that isn't true. I'm oh. And I'm going to leave it at that. Uh, but he did pretty good. I thought he did pretty good. Speaking of George, you know, you guys know he's uh, he's in with the Clintons. Uh, and, of course, that means his whole family is kind of in with the Clintons, obviously, because, you know, George, the, 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 the George family, George's <laughs> the George family, the Stephanophagus Alyssa's uh, donated to the Clintons even. Uh, George worked uh, for the for for Bill. Uh, so I think that I think their I think their family is probably uh, was pretty shocked was pretty shocked uh, when Trump won. I didn't really know. I mean, who knows, right? You never know these things until George's wife opens her mouth about it, and it's unbelievable. Yeah, and I have an 11-year-old daughter who doesn't really understand what ISIS is, but she knows that she's scared, and she's now sleeping in bed with us every night. Yeah. Um, I w- why are you why are you allowing your children to watch news stories about I mean that does just don't that I would not let my kids watch the news. I don't even recommend you watch the news. Let me watch it and do this for you. Yeah, and I have an 11-year-old daughter who doesn't really understand what ISIS is, but she knows that she's scared and she's now sleeping in bed with us every night. Yeah. Which wow. So what do you do, Alec? What do you what do you do? You got little girls. You yeah. you see what's happening. What can what can you say to other parents who have who are at their wits end with their mm-hmm. children who are scared and they're also scared as adults. This is what I say. I say two things. I say to my kids one is we help out everybody in this country that is really going to need our help whatever whatever in in organization you know we we give we volunteer we help out um i mean i'll tell you a story i wasn't planning on story which might be the end of my marriage um but we were watching the election she says no well then george there you go happy holidays i want to talk about your new show because i saw last night she shut him down and it's just so fantastic tell me later i'll tell you later Wow. 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 How about that? Too bad. I think it was going to be good. Oh, that's too bad. No. No, because we're on ABC. No. And they shut him down. I'm very curious about you. I'm very curious about you. Now, we're going to do a little mental exercise here. This is Van Jones, uh, the uh, gay black anchor for CNN. And uh, he's about to do something that if a white anchor did this to a black man, I think this would be probably the end of his career. I don't understand why this isn't considered extremely offensive. Because all the um, men in your family, your sons, everybody voted for Trump. You 
uh, went down. You voted for every Democrat on the ballot. But when it came to the presidency, what'd you do? I didn't vote for anybody. You didn't vote for anybody? Nobody. But you are a woman. I... And you are a Democratic woman. But you're a woman. And Hillary Clinton, as best I, I can tell, I get is that. a woman. <laughs> I don't get it. She scared me. Donald scared me. So I just, my morals could not allow me to mark, like I told you, she did her job in making me not want to vote for Trump. Mm. All those scary things about what he says. But she did not do her job in showing me why I should vote for her. But the Russians! Wow. Yeah, the well, Russians. I mean, that's uh, uh, that. I can't believe that though. That feels that feels like a step too far. That feels like. I, and you are a democratic woman. He shouldn't. He. Sh- I don't feel like that's that's extremely. That feels sexist to me. That feels that feels like you're putting all women in a box. All women in a box. Speaking of women. Also breaking overnight, South Korea's first female president impeached. Lawmakers ousting her over a corruption scandal. Uh Hundreds of protesters cheering in the country's capital as lawmakers made that decision. The prime minister of South Korea will assume leadership until the government decides whether or not the president must permanently step down. Van Jones. I could could do a highlight reel of Van Jones, too. Uh, That that was, uh, yeah, that is... uh, There was a little bit more on South Korea here because... Political turmoil in South Korea's lawmakers impeach their first female president, officially stripping the embattled leader of her powers. The decision comes as prosecutors are accusing the president of extortion. What? Kitty Logan is live from our London bureau with the latest on this one. Wow. Quite a story, Kitty. Yes, Melissa. Well, that impeachment sparked by the corruption scandal you mentioned, but also there have been weeks of protests of people calling for President Park to step down. Now, today, an overwhelming majority of lawmakers voted in Parliament to impeach her. That motion passed 234 to 56, 60 from Park's own political party voting against her. And now the Constitutional Court has to decide whether to uphold that vote. Could take up to six months to do that, but it does now seem likely President Park is to be the first South Korean leader to be forced out of office. She had been due to stay on for another two years, of course. Now, she's accused, as we said, of collaborating with a close aide who is facing corruption allegations. Now, Park denies any wrongdoing, but says she accepts Parliament's decision today and has apologized for what she describes as carelessness. few days left with Obama, uh, I have a quick supercut for you. What I worry about in our politics is uh, people getting impatient with the slowness of democracy. Some require congressional action, and I'm eager to work with all of you. But America does not stand still, and neither will I. America does not stand still, neither will I. I've got a pen. You get it. And, and I've got a phone. I got a pen and I got a phone. It goes on and on, but that's uh, that's kind of fun. 
That's kind of fun. You know, Iran is uh, opened up to the big business world now, and so big names are jumping at the market opportunity. Some new developments concerning billion-dollar programs with two of America's biggest companies. President-elect Donald Trump voicing concerns about the cost of Lockheed Martin's F-35 fighter jet program, suggesting that he will scrap it when he takes office. At the same time, Boeing says it sealed a $17 billion deal to sell jetliners to Iran. That would make it the first major U.S. company to enter an agreement with the Islamic Republic. So how will Mr. Trump feel about that? And what's the impact on the markets and all of that? Ah, uh, We don't care about that part because that's just your speculation. But thank you for the actual information. So I thought that was sort of interesting. I, I think Tucker Carlson's on my watch list. I don't know how I feel about this. Tucker, I'm going to go to you. Obviously, you think of Benghazi. You think of the YouTube video that she created that was a total lie. I mean, or excuse me, said that was a total lie, which was the reason for the Benghazi attack. I also think of President Clinton saying it depends on the definition of what is is. They've been distorting reality for decades. Well, they're politicians. They lie, of course. So the hypocrisy angle is, you know, ripe. But what's, what's the threat here? Is the threat that somehow Americans are so dumb they're going to have their minds controlled by foreign propagandists in Moldova? Or is the real threat that our government is going to decide it's in the business of classifying some information as news mm. and some as verboten? Mm-hmm. We're going to take steps in the Congress to filter out fake... Are you joking? Huh. No, this is a direct threat to the First Amendment. I'm not defending I- inaccurate material online. There's a lot of it. But I'm an adult, and I can, I can tell the difference, or I think I can. Or in any case, I don't want some politician deciding right. they're going to filter my news because they think some of it's fake. I mean, whoa, bells are going off. Absolutely. 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 All right, I got one more. Well, no, actually, that's not true. Uh, let's, uh, let's, do a little, uh, let's do a little little bomber. Right now, we are waging war under authorities provided by Congress over 15 years ago. 15 years ago. I had no gray hair 15 years ago. <laughs> Two years ago, I asked Congress, let's update the authorization. Provide us a new authorization for the war against ISIL reflecting the changing nature of the threats, reflecting the lessons that we've learned from the last decade. So far, Congress has refused to take a vote. Democracies should not operate in a state of permanently authorized war. Oh, that's not good for our military. It's not good for our democracy. Ah, wow. Now he says that. Jeez. All right. Let's do a little high note before we go. Now is the time to move uh, away from a system that for decades has been based on prohibition of cannabis uh, into a regulated legal market. We are getting a first look today at what marijuana legalization might look like in this country. A task force set up by the federal government has just released its report, all 100 or so pages of it, with more than 80 recommendations inside. Now, they tackle almost every aspect of what a world with legal weed would look like. But some of the key points, you shouldn't be able to sell to anyone under 18. But provinces should also be free to tweak that to bring it in line with drinking ages. Uh, Here in B.C., it's 19, for example. There should also be limits on advertising, like some of the restrictions we see on cigarettes and tobacco. No marketing to kids, uh, that sort of thing. And when it comes to the packaging, it should be plain. 
Nothing flashy, nothing that would appeal to kids. Just basic information and that's it. And another big one, only businesses dedicated to cannabis should be allowed to sell it. So you shouldn't be able to get it at a grocery store or even a liquor store, for example. Now, for all the things uh, the task force seems pretty clear on, there are still a number of other big outstanding questions about how exactly things will work. So we've got Anita Bath on the story for us. Anita, I, I mentioned the idea of, of dedicated storefronts where a person might be able to purchase cannabis products, marijuana, but there are other options on the table as well. Yes, now, there are a lot of options that are being kind of thrown around there, but they all still need to be worked out. No clear answer yet. One of the other recommendations is that people can grow it themselves, and they'd have to actually have a limit of four plants in each home. Maximum height for each of those plants would be 100 centimeters. Now, what about if you don't want to grow it for yourself? Because I'm sure there are a lot of people out there like that. They're also recommending a mail order system. This would help give access to people who live in remote communities. Wow, Canada. Man, when they do it, right? They do it. They do it right. And then another follow-up on that. For Matthew Monetarski, this has been a good day. Involved in the medical marijuana industry now, he sees a big future. We're hoping you're going to be able to come in, show a valid piece of ID, and uh, either 18 or 19 years of age, and uh, be able to purchase uh, a small amount of a recreational cannabis for yourself. There is still a lot of uncertainty. How will it actually work? Who will be licensed to grow recreational marijuana? And who will sell it? Most of all, who will profit? corporate giants or grassroots players. We've protested, we've run for office, we've educated, we've suffered, we've gone to prison, we've been the ones who made legalization possible. So we should be allowed to exist in the new industry. To investors, the scent in the air is the smell of money. There's been hundreds of millions of dollars raised over the last couple months. Stocks in Canadian marijuana companies have been on the up for months, waiting for today's report. Investors believing pot will pay off. We're talking five to ten billion dollars very quickly when you get into the uh, 2020 period. Uh, and the way you get there is not only just having the casual consumer come into the market, having the black market consumer come back into the legitimate market, but also having, uh, you know, market share stripped away from competing products like alcohol, tobacco. This is the biggest medical marijuana producer in Canada right now, and it wants to stay on top. Our goal is to go from the seed to the finished product in the hand of the consumer. Well, I bet we'll get the chance to register you if you wanted to be a recreational customer. And just as if you were to have wine shipped to your home, you have to show ID, and, and that would be the same thing. Comparisons are being made between investment in marijuana companies right now and the tech boom of the 1990s. That people are throwing tons of money at it before there are any concrete details about how it will actually work. The difference, supporters say, this time is that the demand for recreational pot is real and it's already there. <laughs> Renee Filipponi, CBC News, Toronto. Yeah, I could have told you that. That's for sure. Oh, man. All right, so that's going to wrap up the overtime. I hope you enjoyed the whole darn thing, though. And if you are a supporter, don't forget about that sink. Lots of goodies in there. Got to scroll back a bit in the backlog to get the old keys, though. That's the way it works. Patreon.com slash unfilter. If you're not a supporter yet, but you'd like to be one, jblive.tv is where we do it live. Jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar is where you find out about it live. Oh, that's a good place to check with the holidays coming up. Thanks for being here. Thanks to our patrons. And we'll see you back here next week. Bye, everybody. Get it out of here. Get it out of here.